Thanks for tuning in. We hope this message encourages and challenges you today. Now here's Pastor Marco de Barros. I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to Psalm 119. If you have a tangible Bible, all you have to do is open it right in the middle and you'll be in Psalm 119. If you don't have a tangible Bible, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, open your app or break your Bible in half um, in, or your phone in half. Um, but there's nothing like a tangible Bible. Can I encourage you to get a tangible like paper Bible? I just love it's like it's more holy, I think, than, than the phone. You know what I mean? Like the phone is, has a lot of other things, you know? The Bible just has one thing, you know, God's word. And so uh, I like to read it in, in paper, and it's like, man, this is awesome. Because these words come to life, don't they? They just like, you ever read the Bible, and you're like, <sighs> right? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you, you, you just read the Bible, you're like, <sighs> you try to tell someone, they're like, yeah. No, no, you don't get it. Like, I just was going through this, and I read this, and. They're like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, no, you don't get it. Read it. <laughs> you know, Psalm 119. Um, I want to talk to you today about living a blessed life. Who wants to live a blessed life? <laughs> live a blessed life. God is so good and he's for you. He wants you to live a blessed life. He's got a lot to say about it. Um, today, I just want to just honestly put an appetite for you to go through this week seeking what God says about the life that he wants you to live. Can we do that? Like, it can't, it, it's impossible to do this in one Sunday setting. It's impossible. Okay? It's a lifestyle. It's a journey. And, and, uh, and the way that I'm going to to share this with you today is you, you're going to have to take ownership of it during the week. Like, if you go on Nucleus, we're going to have a Bible uh, reading that goes with this message for, for a whole week, like Monday through Saturday, there's something there that was going to continue to help you unpack what I'm trying to get at, because if not, we'll be here f- forever, and you, you, you don't want that. Um, it, it would just be me and maybe, maybe Aaron, because he likes me. Um, <laughs> even my wife would dip, you know. <laughs> Aaron would stay. He's single. <laughs> His number is, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, kidding. It's like my son, so I can mess with him. Um, it's my adopted, I got six kids, uh, adopted kid. Uh, anyways, where was I? Psalm 119, see, I'm, I'm losing myself here. Um, Psalm 119 talks about what it means to be a blessed person according to God's will, right? There's many ways to say we're blessed. But we, we're concerned with God's will. Can you say amen? We're concerned with, okay, God, what do you say about the blessed life? Because, you know, every other thing is hashtag blessed, um, which is awesome. I think, I think it's awesome because people should speak blessings over their lives. I believe that with all my heart. Like, like if we're going to hashtag anything, let's hashtag blessed, okay? Not hashtag cursed, or, you know what I mean? Like, hashtag blessed sounds better. And, and so I believe in speaking life over yourself. And I think that's what the scriptures is trying to lead us to. But I believe this, though, that uh, God does have a plan for his people. Yeah. It's not just a random thing, you know. It's not a fluke to be blessed, Okay. It's not a fluke. It's not like, oh, I just happened to stumble upon this thing. No, no, no. It's, it's principles. 
right? It's living according to certain principles that leads to a blessed life. You know, my concern sometimes is that uh, I feel like some Christians believe in magic instead of faith. It's not magic. It's faith in action. Okay? It's, it's a tangible walking with the Lord that leads to a blessed life. Okay? It's not abracadabra, say this, say that, and all of a sudden, it, it's not chain mail's blessings. Okay? Like, it, there's no such thing. Okay? It, it, there's no such thing. You know, send this to 10 people and you're going to get blessed. Well, send it to 100. Trust me. <laughs> it, it, nothing's going to happen. Okay? It's not voodoo. It's not magic. Okay, it's principles that God laid out, right, for people to live blessed lives. It's not wishful thinking. You know, faith is not wishful thinking. No, faith is principles in action. Okay, it's you aligning yourself with God's will that leads to a hashtag blessed life according to his will. Can you say amen? So it's important that we set these things right away because there's a lot of definitions of blessed out there. We're concerned with what does God say about what it means to live a blessed life. Amen? So Psalm 19, 119, long psalm, right? This is why I believe that you got to go home and really want to just, listen, you got you to be hungry for the things of God, you know? You, you, you got you to gotta want the will of God, right? It's not going to fall in your lap. You got you to pursue the will of God. The Bible says that God rewards those who earnestly seek after him. Yeah. You know what the earnest word is? It's like a longing, a drive. Like, I got I to come after you, and religion is not going to do it. Right. Just Sunday morning is not going to do it. It's a longing. It's a drive to get God's will. Can you say amen? Yeah. So, again, this is just a taste, okay? Just a taste. I'm going to preach to this side because they, they, they're clapping. It's just a taste. <laughs> I'm going to go where I'm wanted. Coming over here. Okay. <laughs> uh, who wants it? I'm going to go there. Um, okay, let's not turn this into a WWE um, thing. Psalm 119 says this, right? And I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. When you see the word joyful, is the same word as blessed, okay? I know some of you guys say blessed, okay? I love the New Living because it just clarifies a lot of things. Joyful are people of integrity. In other words, blessed are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful or blessed are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts, they do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. Can you say amen? amen. That's a great prayer. Don't give up on me, Lord. You know, the Bible is a fascinating collection of 66 books. Right? It's incredible that this thing, when you put it all together, was written over 16 centuries by roughly about 40 different authors who lived in different times, which is one of the most fascinating things about scriptures is how can people who lived in completely 
different time periods be talking about the same things and not contradict each other, but have the exact same message. Like the unity of the Bible is divine. Because think about this. I can't get my kids to agree on something. There's only five of them. Right? Just to watch a movie is a, is a hassle to get them to pick one that they all agree on. Never mind what we're going to go out to eat. Like, I don't even go out to eat anymore. Because it's like, I don't want that hassle. It's not fun. I tell my wife, I'm, like, I'm, I'm stressed when we go out to eat with the kids. I'm not having fun. Zero fun. Say fun. You know? Like, I don't want to go out to eat. Let's bring the food home. You know? Like, when you have five kids, forget going out. Okay, just, that's life. Okay, this is not therapy. Um, <laughs> my, my point is, like, it's incredible the unity, because it's hard for people to agree on anything, never mind what is the will of God for 16 centuries, saying exact same things. The Bible is divine. Only God can do that because these people were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write exactly the same things. Like Jesus comes on the scene and talks about things that were written hundreds of years before him and said, well, you know what was written 700 years ago? Well, I'm fulfilling it right now. That's incredible. That's incredible. That's fascinating. Right? That some of the stuff that is in scriptures hasn't even come to pass yet. In other words, you know you can read the Bible and you're reading the future. Yeah. Right? The news is not the news anymore. Right? They might as well call it, welcome to frantic, I want to scare you to death news. So you can stick around, you know. Don't go anywhere. Right after this, I'm going to show you what happened to this cat. Like, this cat was crazy. Don't go anywhere. Let's pay our bills. We'll come back. It's not news. Read scriptures. You'll get real news. Because we have a God who is involved in history. Like, God is involved in history. Like, you can, look, can I challenge you to do something? Take a newspaper and take the Bible and read it. And you see that this thing is unreal. Like, he talks about stuff that's happening and stuff that's going to happen and the stuff that has happened and how it affects our lives today. Like, like, when people say this thing is boring, I'm like, you're boring, you're never ready. Like, this thing is fascinating. It blows my mind when I read this thing because it's so divine but also so human. That's what I love about it. It's very raw. You know, as as a high school teacher, I used to tell the students, the Bible is rated R. Some of this stuff is crazy. It's, it, it's like really raw. Like the Bible doesn't hide anything. I love how human the Bible is. Because we need a God that is divine, but we need a God that can connect to us on a human level. And the Bible is very human. Like the God, I love that the fact that he gave us 66 books to show you how real he is, but also how crazy we are, but how he still wants to connect with us. And like he still wants to be in the middle of 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 us. And he still has a plan for our lives, even though we're messy people, even though we're crazy people. I, I love... That he doesn't hide anything. Like he shows you how, how some of these people step up in faith. But then he shows you how they stepped up in other things. He shows you how Noah you know, is a righteous man. And he, and he saves the world by building this ark. And then he shows you how Noah gets drunk and naked and weird. And people are like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> I love that about the Bible. That the hero is also a crazy man. Because I don't know about you, there's a little craziness in all of us. And thank God that he's not afraid of that because he puts it in his word. He's like, let me show you. Like, I'm not afraid of your craziness. 
He shows you David defeating Goliath in one moment and then being defeated by lust the next moment. Like, like, come on, if you're writing a book that's supposed to be perfect, you don't put that stuff in there. No, God's trying to show you I'm the perfect one and I work through your imperfections. Like, I'm in your midst. I'm not afraid of your mess. God is not afraid of our mess. His goal is to turn our mess into a message. Right? God's not afraid of what you're going through. His goal is to take whatever you're going through and turn it around for good. He said that that's my plan for you is to work out everything for your good. It's a very honest book, and that's why it's relatable. That's why it still is the bestseller in the world. I don't know if you know that. It still is the bestseller in the world. Like, it sells more than any other thing. Why? Because it connects with the human heart. It's not just giving you some cute stories. It's telling you, no, that's you. Like, you know you're not reading the Bible until you see yourself in it. Like, you're not reading it right until you're like, oh, that's me. (laughs) You know what I mean? For good, bad, and ugly. That's the beauty of this thing. Like, it doesn't hide anything. It's not neatly prepackaged. Because life is not neatly prepackaged. You know? And people are like, it's so hard to read the Bible. Well, it's so hard to live. (laughs) Come on, somebody. You know what I mean? Like, you you want real or you want fake? Right? It's easy to read a self-help book because it's supposed to, like, tell you that life is easy and you can do this. And God is like, no, life is not easy. You can do this. But listen, I can yeah. tell you how to do it. Yeah, come on, right? With your mess, with your struggles, with your shortcomings. I love how honest this thing is because life is a beautiful mess. Like, you ever live long enough until you realize that? Right? Like, life is a beautiful mess and God is in the midst of it. God gives us this scriptures to say, listen, I've... I've walked with humanity all along, and I've seen the good, I've seen the bad, I've seen the ugly. I'm not afraid of it. I want to be in the midst of it. I want to bless you. I want to lead you. I want to guide you. He's active. He's active right now if you're paying attention. There's not a moment that God's not active in your life. See, even God's silence is work. He says, be still and know that I'm God. Like, even when you think nothing is happening, it's like, let me, let me give you some perspective if you're paying attention. This whole thing is inspired by the Holy Spirit, but it's very honest. And it even tells you why he gave you these words. That's amazing to me. Like, he, like over 66 books, 16 centuries, like, uh, there's a reason why I'm giving you these things. Can I show it to you? Look, in Timothy, Paul says this about scriptures. He says, look, all scriptures, which is the Bible, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That's the point. It even tells you why you're reading these things. It even tells you why you're going through some stuff. It even tells you the stuff you need to correct. Like if you're paying attention, God brings grace and conviction like we talked about last week why does he bring conviction because he's like you're better than that i know the plans i have for you and i'm not gonna let you stay in that thing i gotta bring conviction but all that is great but here's the here's the reality is this if our hearts are not submitted to god then god's word does not really relate to us Mm -hmm. that's good two people can read the word one person could just read it because it's a good idea. The other person read it because that's God's word to me. It all comes down to our individual hearts. Is our hearts truly submitted to God? Because when your heart is submitted to God, then God's word takes on a whole other meaning. That's right. That's right. We don't read it for self-help. We read it to discover God's will. Yes. 
There's a difference, people. A lot of times people are confusing Christianity with self-help. Christianity is a submission to God's will. Self-help is whatever helps me, I'm going to try it. That's why people are like, I tried church, didn't work. Well, that's self-help. That's not Christianity. Christianity is not something you try. It's something you submit to. There's a difference. You know, this is what I'm saying. Like, we don't believe in magic. We believe in faith. We believe in a journey, and it takes submission for me to fully see God's will. I haven't met anyone who does not want to live a blessed life. But I only meet a few people who are willing to do what it takes to live a blessed life. There's a difference. Everybody wants it, but only a few people submit. You know, Jesus said straight and narrow is the way, but broad and, and, and wide is the road to destruction. He says straight and narrow, only a few find it. It's not that it's hard to find. It's this, it's, it's, it all comes down to, am I submitting? Am I submitting myself to his will? He has a plan, but that plan only is going to work when I am submitted to his will. See, when it comes down to humanity, our greatest struggle in life is, have we surrendered ourselves to him? Because he's not going to force your surrender. Right? It's a longing. It's a desire that I have to say, Lord, I want your will for my life. See, when you come to, to Psalms, like we read today, it's a, it's a powerful collection of poems, prayers, songs dedicated to the Lord. The word psalm means Songs of praise. Right? This, it's, it's an awesome thing because it's written by so many different people showing you the different perspective that they have in their journey with the Lord. It's one of the most honest book. Well, the whole thing is honor, but this one is like over the top raw. Because these are people on their journey with the Lord and, and, and writing down their feelings, their thoughts, and what their perspective, what they're going through. And I love it because it's divinely inspired by God, but also it's very human. Like, you see all of the feels, like the kids say today. Like you read Psalms, you're going to see someone angry, upset. Someone is depressed. Someone's lonely. Someone is agitated. Someone's wondering, God, when are you going to answer my prayers? I love how real it is. God doesn't hide any of it. He welcomes it. It's right, but don't stay as you are. That's the point. Right? That's the point. The point is, they, they start as they are, but they never stay as they are. Like, there's always a shift in a Psalms. It shifts from human to divine. Why? Because if you're being real with God, sooner or later, your life is going to go from you to Him. Like, it's not going to be about you anymore. It's going to be about Him. I love, I love how honest it is, because sometimes I'm not sure if people really want God's will or if it's just a thought. Like, like, I feel like sometimes we are, we are, you know, we, 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 we love the idea of change versus changing. There's a difference. We love the idea. We love the concept. We love to romanticize change. But real change takes work. Right? And then on top of that, we love the idea of being blessed. Being blessed is, is an awesome thing. And I think we all should pursue being blessed. But staying blessed takes work. Anyone can receive something, but it's about maintaining it. Right? Everybody can receive a blessing, but can you maintain that blessing? Right? Because it takes work. Work, work, work. But I love these Psalms because it shows you, here's how to relate to God in whatever circumstance you find yourself in. 
Like he doesn't hide any circumstances in life when you read the Psalms. Like if you go through it, 150 of them, you're going to relate to, to probably all of them. Because at some point or another, you've been there yeah. in whatever situation. But the beauty of this is it's not like Psalms are just whining and complaining about life. It's about, it's about reflecting about where I am, but also getting in touch with where God is trying to take me yeah. and what he's doing in my life. It shows, it shows you God's sovereignty. In other words, it shows you that God's in control even when things seem chaotic. It shows you that God is good even when things don't seem to be good. It shows you how to have confidence in the midst of chaos. Because if God is only good when things are good, then then is he really God? If if, if I only praise him when things are great, it's like, am I really praising God or am I praising how I feel? There's a difference. There's a difference. This is why we have to be careful with self-help. Yeah. Self-help is if it's working, God's good. If it's not, then w- what can I find that's going to help me? Come on. Uh, I love how real, how honest the scriptures are. Because it's, 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 it's in the tension of life that we find God. If, we, if we're to be honest, it's in the wrestling moments that we really have an encounter with God. It's in the pain that we find God. It's in, the, it's, in the, it's, in the, it's in the mess that we find God. It's in the confusion that we find God. If we're seeking him, that's when life really happens. If we're having a hard time reading the Bible, start in the Psalms. Start right there and begin to see the journey that God wants to take all of us through. And we get to Psalm 119. And we, he, he focuses specifically on this is how you live a blessed life. It's, a, it's the longest psalm in the entire thing. There's 160 verses there. And that's what I'm telling you. If you go to Nucleus during the week, like, go, go, go show that site again for me. If you go to Nucleus, right, we're going to put chunks of it for each day of the week that you can go through right, and, and, and see what God actually says about you living a blessed life. Yeah. I guarantee you, if you do this all week, come back and tell me if God's not real and personal. Like, this is my challenge. Like, I, 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 I can lead you to the water, but Come on. you got to want to, you got to want to drink. Come on, people. This is what I mean. There's a difference between faith and magic. Faith does the work to see the will of God being unfolded in our lives. Faith means I got to go to God. I got to seek him so I can find him. Because if he's not good when I'm in pain, then he was never good. It was never God. It was religion. It was me. Because he's God of all situations and circumstances. That's the God that I want to serve. Not a make-belief that I created for myself. That I get mad at when he doesn't do what I want him to do. I want a real God that I submit to. He doesn't submit to me. I submit to him. It's the other way around. And he's okay with me complaining and, and crying to him as long as I keep coming. Come on. Why do we have kids? They keep coming. They don't stop coming. I appreciate that about them. Seriously, kids, this is why Jesus said you're going to have faith like a kid. Because a kid, man, you would scold him. Two minutes later, he's all good with you. Because he knows you're my source. I think kids know, like, you're it. Right? I think kids know this. Like, somehow they know. 
that's where everything comes from. <laughs> so, hey, mom, dad, <laughs> you know. This is why I, I think Jesus said you've got to have a faith like kids, right? That, that, that you're quick to go to your parent, quick to go to your father because you know who cares about you and you know that he's not a God of just the good. We have to be careful to not reduce God to what we're going through. Like our faith has to mature. Because faith that only works when things are well, it's not faith. Job said, have you read Job? Have you? You think you're having a tough time? Read Job. Here's a righteous man, blameless. Are you righteous and blameless? An upstanding citizen, the Bible says. It starts that way. Job, righteous, upstanding citizen. Never did anything wrong. Lost everything. Why do good things happen to bad people? Who are the bad people? And who are the good people? Have you ever asked that question? Because I don't think God looks at it that way. God sometimes let the good people go through some stuff. Like Job. And you know what Job said in his, in his moment of wrestling and, and trying to come up with, with, the, with the understanding of theology that's bigger than himself? He says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Man, wow. What a perspective. What a perspective. Are we that big in our faith, in our theology, in our thinking? To say God is bigger. Why should I just worship him when he's good? And then to make matters worse, you read the whole thing, and then God says, you guys said a lot. My turn. And you would think God's going to come and say to Job, here's what happened. Here's why you're going through this. God said, can I ask some questions? God never answered Job's question. Three chapters, go read it. Questions after questions after questions. Number one question. You think you start slow. You know what number one question? Joe, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Uh, like you seem to know everything. Where were you? Like we seem to know everything because, because it's about us. Come on. Come on. It's about us. So God's not good and God's not there. And God, it's like, but where are you? You're just a speck in the big picture of what I've created. He told Job, where were you when I told the oceans you can go this far and no more? Like you talk about perspective. You know what Job says? Go read it so good. I'm telling you, stop reading Facebook. Read this thing. It's so good. You know what Job said after all that? After three chapters of God, it's like, eh, 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 eh. Like, like, man, God went in. Like, lay out everything. Job, did you create the mountains, Job? Do you even know what's in the oceans, Job? Like, he went in. Job said, I thought I knew you. There's a difference. I thought I knew you. But now I do. In his pain and suffering, he found the real God that you don't find unless you wrestle with him. See, 
That's my concern is when God is really trying to get to us and we run away. When he's really putting in the heat up, he's saying, oh, I want to show you something deeper and greater than just Facebook theology. I want to show you real life, real struggles, real pain, but all of it works together for good of those who trust me, who walk according to my will. Because sometimes in the natural, it doesn't make sense. Do you think if you were there when Jesus was crucified, would that make sense to you? Didn't make sense to the disciples. You know what they said? It's over. Our hope is being crucified. Let's go back to fishing. Let's go back to normal. But don't you understand in the greatest pain ever, a man who didn't do anything wrong, who was wrongly accused, wrongly crucified, sped upon, blaspheme, God was saving the world through the greatest pain ever. So understand, he's not telling you something he hasn't been through. With all the righteousness, though, he never sinned. But in being crucified, he was actually saving the pain It's for a purpose. There's a resurrection on the other end. Now, there's all sorts of pains. There's pains because life is painful. There's pains because I brought pain to myself. And then there's pain because God is trying to refine me and mold me and shape me. This is where you got to walk with him. you got to discern, God, what is this? What is it? What is it? Like, what is it that you're trying to do? Because you're God, I'm not. My perspective is limited. But can I ask you another question? Who blesses you? It's good. Who blesses you? Or better yet, when you're going through stuff, do you stop and say, wait, he's been there all along. That's good. He has made ways for me all along. This is why when you're going through stuff, it's not time to... to it's time to count your blessings. It's time to remember. You know the worst used words in the Bible is the word remember? Why? Because we quickly forget. God has to constantly remind us, wait a minute, don't you remember? I'm the God that took you out of Egypt. I'm the God that opened the Red Sea. I'm the God that, that, that split the Jordan. I'm the God that made a way that seems to be no way. Like, don't you remember? The same God. If you stop right now, would you not be able to trace God's goodness in your life? So why are you questioning him now? Would you stop and tell me that you got here on your own? That God has nothing to do with how your life has been. If you can say that, then you're the only person in history that he hasn't touched. Because the Bible says even the very breath that you're breathing right now is a gift. The pneuma of God has to be on a person for him to have life. And if he hasn't done anything else for you, he sacrificed his son before you were even born. 
What kind of God makes a sacrifice before you were even aware that you need a sacrifice? A good God, a mighty God that says, while you were still sinners, I'm going to send my son to die on your behalf. When you come to your knowledge, then you'll be able to embrace him as the Lord and Savior of your life. That's the God that we serve. He's already made a way way before, way before you needed a way. He already sent Jesus on your behalf. He didn't wait for you to get to act together to send Jesus. He sent Jesus before. Before you knew you needed to get your act together. And if that's not a good God, then I don't know what a good God is. Man, if that's not a good God, then I don't know what, what, what the definition of goodness is. To make a way for me before I even realized that I needed a way. To save me before I knew I needed saving. While you were still sinners, Christ died for your sins, Romans 5.8 says. So if he does that, he provides for your salvation because he knows you're just going through this life. If he provides for your eternity, how much more is he going to provide for your temporary? Now let's go a step further. Let's make our theology even stronger. Even if he doesn't provide for you one more thing, he's done enough. He doesn't owe you anything. That's the reality. He blesses you because he's good, not because you deserve it. Now let's make a theology even stronger. If that thing you're waiting on doesn't come, would you still bless God? Would you still praise God for who he is? Come on, we need tough theology. We're living in some tough days. The enemy will love to shatter your theology. Actually, your theology needs to be shattered. Because it's, 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 it's on shaky ground. See, anytime my theology is based on what could happen or not happen, I'm on shaky ground. I'm on shaky ground because this life, he said it, you're going to have trouble. Like he didn't lie to us. You're going to have some t- tough situations. You're going to have some... T- see, you're like, man, what does all of this have to do with blessed? Because we sometimes have the wrong concept of what it means to be blessed. We have to break some of these lies, some of this deceit, some of this preconceived notion of what blessed is until we can enter into the real blessed life that he has for us. You get to Psalm 119. Here's, here's what I pray after everything I said. <laughs> I pray this is the takeaway. See, Psalm, when we get to Psalm 119, here's someone reflecting on what it means to be blessed. Not someone trying to make God do something for them. Not a self-help approach. This is very important because, because motives is critical. Right? So this is someone who is writing from a perspective of surrendering and submission. Like this is not someone trying somehow to get God to do something for them. This is so important. We get this. This is not a weary attempt to please God. That's good. You ever heard people talk like, like God is like this dreary person that you got to please? I got to read my Bible. <laughs> I got to go serve. They want me to serve. Come on. Like, do we do that with our relationships? Married people, when was the last time you're like, I got to take you on a date. You're my wife. Let's go. We got to go. <laughs> I'm supposed to take you out. Parents, is that what you do with your kids? 
you're my kid, so I need to spend time with you. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. I gotta do this. No. Not when it's a real relationship. Not when it's real. When it's real, you want to. It's a longing of the heart. See, this relationship with the Lord, I pray we get it. It's a longing of the heart. His love compels us to do anything if we're doing it right. If he's not compelled by love, sooner or later, we're going to throw the whole thing out. That's one of the first thing I always ask myself when I hear someone left the church. is like, were they really in love with Jesus? Or they were in love with the idea? There's a difference. Because, man, I'm like Peter. When everybody left, Peter's like, where are we going to go? <laughs> like, where are you going to Where? where? <laughs> I love that. I, I, I'm tired. I love how honest this thing is. Because once in a while, you got to ask that question. Where am I going to go? Yeah, <laughs> like, God, where, where else am I going to do with my life? Yeah. You know? Like, what else is there worth doing, living for? Yeah. Like, if we're not doing this, what are we doing? Like, seriously, have you ever asked that question? Like, if I'm not following God, what would my life look like? I can tell you what it would look like. It would look like a terrible mess. I know that for a fact that you leave it up to me, I'm making a mess out of it. For sure. But at the same time, I always tell them, if I'm not going to do this out of the right motive, then I shouldn't do it. Come on, come on, come on. I want to preach from a perspective of someone who loves him and who loves his people. And and I believe that's the only motive that's really going to outlast everything else that life throws at us. That's good. That's good. If we're not rooted in that, we're going to be people all over the place. Because life will take you through some stuff. And you 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 gotta make up your mind. Listen, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Like I'm his. I'm his. Telling you, this is someone who's writing from that perspective. I love the Lord. And I, I want to live my life in the fullness of his will. I love the honesty of this thing because it's rooted in the will of God. It's not rooted in self-help. It's not rooted in if things go well, then God must be good. That's too shallow of a theology. Things are going to go wrong. He already said it. And he said, you're just passing through. See, the reality is this. Again, we're going very deep today. The reality is this. We're never going to be fully okay here. I don't care how well you make your life. You're never going to be fully satisfied here. Because you're not meant to stay here. That's the reality. We do our best to live life and, and have the comforts of life and the joys of life and that's okay but we have to also remember the tension of eternity I'm passing through and to be honest with you on this side of the world we're not going to get the full answers that we want because some things he will not explain to you just like he didn't explain to Job he didn't he didn't explain to Moses why Moses couldn't get to the promised land he said Moses you go this far Joshua you take it from here like, I did all this for these people, and I can't get there. But keep reading. 
I get chills thinking about it. Keep reading. Who does he bring down from heaven to earth to show people eternity? He says, I'll bring Moses and I'll bring Elijah. Here's your reward, Moses. Here's your reward. Man, that's incredible. Hundreds of years later, he didn't forget. I get chills thinking about it. He didn't forget Moses. He said, Moses, watch this. Here's my son, and here's you with my son showing them that there's more. There's eternity. I didn't let you in there because I was letting you in there. My God. We got to live with eternity in mind. If we don't live with eternity in mind, this life is miserable. That's the reality. If we don't live with that in mind, we will, we will lose our minds because we're not meant to stay. So you get to this guy, he's talking about being blessed, and he lays out some principles that he believes about being blessed on this, on this life. Because I believe God will bless you here and in the one to come when you're walking with him. And, and look at this. When you go back to this, let me just make some quick references here because we're out of time. But he starts by saying, blessed are those people who have integrity. Isn't that incredible? The first thing that he thinks about is integrity. Is that the first thing you think of when you think of being blessed? The first thing we usually think of, blessed are people who have stuff. Cars and this and that. The first thing this guy is reflecting with the power of the Holy Spirit in him, he says, blessed are people of integrity. You see why we have to undo a lot of what we believe blessed is before we get to the real blessed is, like the real life that God has for us. We have to undo a lot of stuff to get to the real. Since blessed other people have integrity, what is integrity? Honesty, whole, undivided. Blessed are people who are the same person they are today in this church as they are tomorrow. As they are on Thursdays. Thirsty Thursdays. I hope on Thirsty Thursdays, Jesus is your living water, satisfies your thirst. Well, you need some meat, though. Oh, yeah, we don't eat meat anymore. That's what I hear. You, you want a quick revelation on that? Go read Acts. Jesus showed up to Peter. He gave him a bunch of animals, came down, and, and Peter was like, come on, God, you know I don't touch that stuff. I watch what the health. What do you guys say? Kill and eat. I've blessed it. Don't worry about it. I just set a lot of people free. (laughs) Go home and eat. But there's also scriptures about don't be a glutton, you know. (laughs) You know. There's scriptures about, you know, there's always grace and truth. There's, it's always there. Okay, that was a break. Let's go back to. He says, number two, he says, blessed are those who obey. Like, come on, church. When we think of living a blessed life, are these the words we're thinking about? Are these the words we're really thinking about? Blessed are those who obey. Why? Because obedience unlocks understanding. It is the obedience that unlocks the blessings of God. That's why the Bible has a lot, of, a lot of promises with if in the beginning. Then, if you do what I told you to do, then I will, I will bless you. Right? 
How many people you hear, God, I want a financial blessing? Well, are you tithing? If you tithe, I will provide. Obedience unlocks blessings. That's just one area. I I can go on and on. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey. But I don't have time. Number three, he says, blessed are those who search God with all their hearts. Blessed are those who search God on Sundays? No. It's got to be a lifestyle. It's got to be a longing, a drive, a desire to have him in every area of our lives. Blessed are those who search him. You know what that is? That's what the scripture says in Hebrews. It says he rewards those who earnestly seek after him. In other words, God wants people to want him, not just his hands. Can you imagine your kids just want you for what you can do for them? What kind of relationship is that? No, God wants people in real relationship with him. If you have his heart, you're going to get his hand. <laughs> That's the beauty of this. You know? Number four, watch this. Blessed are people who don't compromise with evil. Uh-oh. Is this what we think of when we think of blessings? Integrity, obedience, full heart, and no compromise. See, when God blesses you, he said this. He said, live your life in such a way that the world will see you and give me praise. Okay. Same scripture. He goes on to say, but if you lose your saltiness, in other words, you use your flavor. He says, what are you good for? Because if, you, if I bless you, but you look just like the world, then it offsets the blessing. Because I want you to be set apart so the world can see this is how I do it. So they can come to me and live for me and not live in a mess. See, church, as a pastor, i got to tell you, that's the saddest thing about church. If we're leaving here, we go back to look just like the people who don't follow Jesus, then what are we doing? What are we doing? Because he blesses you to be a blessing. See, we've gone to 800, but he's, he's not satisfied. He's got a whole city that he needs to reach. If we stop blessing people, we miss the heart of God. And if we stop being concerned, seriously, I'm going to give you a mature word. You should, we should be concerned with how people are viewing our lives. And I don't mean in a way of like being worried about what they say about you, but man, you have an accountability to say, Lord, I want to live my life in such a way that people know this is for real. Like you're blessing me and I want to bless others. That's serious. You can't play church. Right? Because compromise is when, is when he's, he's supposed to bless me, but I look like the world. I talk like the world. I act like the world. I do the same things the world does. Then, but, but I go to a church on Sunday. Come on. That's not it. We're better than that. Can you say amen? He goes on to say this. Look, oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Bless are people of action that reflect God's will. Action. See, Jesus' half-brother James wrote a great book. You should read it. It's in there. One of those six six. He said, faith without action is dead. It means nothing. 
if there's no action attached to it, it's just a belief. You know, there's a, there's a difference between a belief and a conviction. Everybody has beliefs. But if it doesn't translate to convictions, all it is is a belief. Do you know the Bible, again, today is a very deep, mature day, right? We're going there. You know the Bible says even, even, even the demons believe that, that Jesus is real. They believe, but they're not convicted. <laughs> there's a difference. Okay, there's a difference. Okay. We all know smoking is bad for us. That's a belief. Conviction is I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to surrender this to God. Like I want freedom from this thing. I don't want to just believe it. I want to be convicted so I can be set free from it and I stay in it. Because a lot of times I see this thing being half-hearted. It's like, okay, we said the right thing, but your conviction is betraying you. Let me give you another understanding of belief and conviction. Belief is what you argue about. Conviction is what you would die for. Okay. People argue all the time. That's why I don't do it because it's like, What's the point of arguing scriptures with you, but if you're not convicted by those scriptures that you're arguing with me about? You won the debate, but you lost the lifestyle. Hello, somebody. Like, I'd rather be worried about how is this, am I going to live the scripture than fight with you. Come on, talk to me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm like, the way my faith's set up, I'm trying to live this thing. You're, you're trying to tell me I'm wrong. You know? I got to go, man. You guys good? You good? Can I keep going a little bit more? I got the mic. Um, look, look, look what he says. I love this. He says, as I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. Blessed people are grateful people. But watch how he said, he said, I will show gratitude with my lifestyle. Great. Isn't it different between saying thank you and actually living a thankful life? Isn't it different? Someone can say, ah, I am grateful, but they're always complaining. Say, like, how can you be grateful and complain at the same time? Yeah. Let me challenge you with another thing. It's very hard to be grateful and depressed at the same time. Yeah. Try it. Next time you're depressed, start counting your blessings and tell me if you stay there. Start going like this. Oh, man, I'm maybe having a hard day, but, you know, uh, man, I'm up today and... Man, someone didn't wake up today. I did. Um, you know, I, I had something to eat today. Someone didn't eat at all today. I got a roof. It's leaking, but it's a roof. Um, there's a car outside. It's a Pinto, but it drives. Um, at least it's paid for. My neighbor has a Mercedes, but he can't make his bills because he's got a Mercedes. Um, I mean, I, I was supposed to be dead last year, but God made a way. I'm still here. Uh, Man, I don't know. Um, man, all of a sudden, man, it, it's just something shifts from me to God. And I know he's good. He's faithful. I know I'm waiting on some things, but I know he's been, he's been blessing me all along. I don't deserve it. I don't earn it, but he's faithful. And so if I'm going through this, I'm going to put my trust in him because he's good to me. I show gratitude with how I live, not what I say. We're going deep today, right? See, maturity, well, the greatest sign of maturity is gratitude. Because the mistake we make in life is that we deserve stuff. Again, if we're going according to this thing, I mean, I could be wrong. 
But according to this, the only thing we deserve is hell. He didn't give you what you deserve. He gave you heaven. He took your place and died on your behalf. So you don't get what you deserve. You get what he wants you to have. That's the only thing. I know we live in an entitled society. But that's the only thing he says you deserve. That's the only thing. Read the whole, I've read the whole thing a few times. That's the only thing. Right? But he's so good. He's like, I don't give you what you deserve. I'm too good to give you what you deserve. I give you what you don't deserve. See, grace is what we don't deserve. That's why it's a gift. If you, ha- if you deserve it, then it's not a gift anymore. Right? It's a gift. And so, and so if he doesn't do one more thing, he, man, he's done enough. He's done more than enough, but he's too good to stop there. Like, he's always going to continue to bless. But here's the thing, right? But the more grateful you are, the more I believe he wants to bless you. It's just common sense. We love, gra- we love, we love grateful people, don't we? Like, just this morning on your drive here, you gave someone the leeway to go, and they didn't acknowledge you, and you're like, you ungrateful. <laughs> Come on, we love grateful people. Right? Your kids, when they say thank you, you're like, because <sighs> you know no matter what you do to them they want one more thing right thank you goes a long way and I believe that's why the Bible says enter his, pra- his courts with praise and thanksgiving why because he knows like Lord I know who you are I know who I am I'm just here to give you thanks and praise and worship and I know you're good to me you're faithful If you want to have a real relationship with the Lord, start with gratitude every day. It will change your life. Start every day waking up. I don't care how, I mean, I, don't, I haven't had a full night of sleep in 10 years. I got five kids. You don't sleep. But the moment I wake up, no matter how out of it I am, I'm in purgatory somewhere. I'm like... Thank you, Jesus. I woke up. I'm up. It's another day. Thank you. Just last night, Daddy, can I sleep with you? I don't even know who you are. It's, it's four in the morning. Like, you know? But then she lays down next to me, and it's such a gratitude. God, thank you. She's so sweet, and, and, and it's like she's a gift from you. Like, thank you. I, I don't get any sleep, but thank you. Like, she's, <laughs> she's great. I'm telling you, gratitude will change your life when you understand, I don't deserve anything. Everything is a gift. It's all a gift. Can I just be real with you? Like, I, 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 on Sunday morning, there's never a Sunday that I don't go spend some time with the Lord before I come here. Every Sunday I do it. I've been doing it. For the three and a half years we've been here. Don't miss a Sunday. I pray every day. But Sundays, I always go. Because it's like, God, I can't believe you want me to do this. Like, are you sure? <laughs> it's such an honor, such a privilege to be in God's house. And I don't mean like preaching. I mean like being in God's house. Yeah. And preaching, that's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole other level. God, I can't believe you, you're, you're doing this. You, we, we. God, is it real? That, did we really raise that much money? Don't you know that I, I stand in awe of what God is doing in our midst? Like, I'm like, I'm not going to lie to you. I went back this week. I was like, I want to check those numbers again. Like, is it for real? Like, did we, like, mess it up? 
told the bookkeeper, run it again. Like, <laughs> like I'm serious. Gratitude changes everything. Because, man, I'm just grateful. Just grateful. And once in a while, just look at what other people are going through. It just brings perspective. Just watch the documentary on Syria. My God. My God. You know what, what that does to me? It shifts my heart from my complaining to, God, bless those people. Help those people. Make a way for them. Man. Even America, I'm blessed. Man. Oh, man. This documentary called Hell on Earth will mess with you. This is how some people are living in real today, not 100 years ago, today. And here I am complaining because my Wi-Fi is spotty. <laughs> Come on, for real, right? First world problems. Right? Some of the stuff we, ah, Wi-Fi. Some people don't even know what Wi-Fi is. I'm not trying to make us feel bad. I just want to bring some perspective. We're blessed, people. We're blessed. We're blessed. Look, I'm not done. Go. Watch this. He says, he, look, this blew my mind. I love his perspective. Look, he said this. Let me read it to you. He said, listen, then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. Like, I love that perspective. Only the Holy Spirit can give you that perspective. He said, if I'm going to compare myself to anything, I'm going to compare it to your commands. Because we spend so much energy. This is why we don't think we're blessed. Because we're comparing we're comparing it to other people who has this and who has that. He's like, no, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to compare myself to only your commands. Like, am I doing it right? Am I walking with you? Am I, making, am I doing everything you asked me to do? That's the only comparison I should be making in my life. God, I want to compare my life to your will, to your commands, to your ways, Lord. I don't want to live my life based on anybody else's expectations. My God, that will preach. That's incredible. What a perspective. What a way to live. You know how much energy we spend comparing? Directly and indirectly. Yeah, you're having a good day, and what do you do? You go on Instagram, you see someone else, and you're like, ah. Church, the Lord is too good to us. To be comparing our lives to each other. Listen, when you have the right mindset, when you see someone being blessed, you're grateful for them. Because you know God blessed them. He can bless you too. And he can bless the next person as well. Comparison is the greatest thief of joy. Always worried about who did this. Always worried about you did that. Like you bought a car, but then you see your neighbor's car. You're like, ah. Why can't you be grateful for your car and his car? Because God is good to bless both of you. And we swear everybody's family is better. Oh, we swear on that. We swear, but we don't live there. Don't realize you ought to be grateful for your own family, that God blessed you with a family and, and take care of your family. Look at everybody else's grass. Hey, you better. Well, thank you, Jesus, for this patch of dirt. <laughs> I got some dirt. I just need some seeds. <laughs> I'm telling you, it changes everything. It changes everything. You know, when you have the healthy perspective, I'm only going to compare myself to God. Like, 
God, how am I doing? According to your will for me, how am I doing? That's all that matters. And then he ends like this. I love this. Are you guys good? Because I'm going way over. Uh, Then again, where are we going to go? Like, for real. <laughs> where are we going? Don't be lying to me. Um, last one. Look, look how he ends his prayer. You guys, you guys can come up. Look at this. He says, I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. How honest is that? I love that. I love that. I love that. Like, like, what a great, healthy perspective this guy has. He's like, hey, listen, God, not there yet, but... Hook a brother up. Like, like, I'm not there yet, but man, don't give up on me. Like, I'm going to do, listen, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Lord, I know I messed that up, but guess what? I'm still here, Lord. You're still good, and you're still faithful. I'm not there yet. I'm on my way, Lord, to your will. Do I have any believers in this house? God, don't you give up on me. I'm not there yet. But I'm on my way. Come on, he's good to us. He's good, man. Amen. He's good to us. Don't let your circumstance lie to you. God is good. Don't let your feelings lie to you. God is good. And he's faithful. And he will make a way where there seems to be no way. We live in his principles of being blessed. And we trust him in the process. I love that prayer. Don't give up on me. Like, that should be our prayer. Right? Like, man, I want to make a hood version of the Bible. Like, God, don't give up on me. Hook a brother up. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I need you to hook me up. Because you're that good. You don't, you don't hook me up because I'm good. You hook me up because you're good. Like, put it on him. Like, yeah, you're good. I, no, you're good. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get under your goodness. I'm just trying to get where you are, God. My God, that's so good. Would you lift your hands to the Lord? Let's pray together. Come on, do you receive it today? I want you to live a blessed life. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information on New Life and all of our campuses, log on to www.atnewlife.org.